I invite you to look with us in the Gospel of Luke today, chapter 18, beginning with verse 35. Luke 18, beginning with verse 35. You'll recognize this portion of God's Word. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the the miracle of Bartimaeus receiving his sight. And it came to pass that he was come nigh unto Jericho, that is Jesus, and a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And he told them that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Father, I thank you for eyesight. I thank you for being able to see in color. And Lord, I do ask you to help us to realize that we need to be thankful for our eyesight. And I do pray for, for Robbie, Lord, as he comes tomorrow. God, I just pray, Lord, that you could just anoint him. And God, I know it would be nothing short of a miracle that as he reads that book, God, that you could restore his sight. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. You may be seated as Jesus makes his way to the cross. You would think anybody else, you know how it is if... Uh, you're fixing to have serious surgery, and uh, the doctors have come in, the anesthesiologist has come in, the nurse has asked you 400 questions, and, and you're in the back of your mind, you're trying to answer these questions, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I dread this, I dread this. Jesus may have felt that way, but even on his way to the cross, he took time out to heal one more person. Remember, Jesus said in Luke twenty-two twenty-seven, I am among you as he that serveth. What am I here for? Am I here as your pastor to be served or am I here to serve? I am here to serve you. All I ask in return is your prayers. That's all I need in return, is your everyday prayers that I will be following the Lord, that I will be seeking His will, and that I'll let nothing hinder or get in the way of me proclaiming the gospel no matter where I am or what I am facing as I'm on my way to whatever, that I will keep the cross in mind. You know, this should be our attitude as we go along in a Christian life, that I want to be a servant. <clears throat> I want to serve. I want to serve people. That's what Jesus did. That was his ultimate goal, was to serve people. And the last thing was to serve people 
by dying on the cross for our sins. Well, the title is simple. When Jesus passes by. When Jesus passes by, things happen. Today in this very room, the Holy Spirit is present. Today in this very room, you and I will make a decision for Jesus. Whether we're going to continue to follow him or we're going to slack off following him. Are we going to rededicate our life to follow him? We are all going to make a decision today. And I trust that you would allow the Holy Spirit of God, when he tugs at your heart and my heart, that we would obey. Obey. When Jesus passes by, There's three simple things I want to make mention. First of all, what is it like to be blind? I tried to think of an illustration. You know, I said, well, maybe I could just wear blinders and walk around and ask somebody to lead me. One thing about being blind, I would understand, it has to be total darkness. Total darkness. There was a lady in Earl's Grove Church. She didn't pass on until she was 98 years old. She taught Sunday school. She led vacation Bible school. She sang in the choir. And she began to lose her eyesight. She went to every doctor imaginable. Finally, one doctor said, I want you to tell me what you've done in the last months of your life. And she told him, he said, you should have wore goggles. She poisoned her fruit trees and the stuff she used had petroleum in it, and it blew in her eyes, and slowly she lost her eyesight. She didn't give up. She didn't quit. She ordered audio tapes for the Sunday school lessons, and she'd listened to it all week to prepare to teach the lesson. On Sunday morning, she had somebody to lead her every step up into the choir to sing, and then to lead her back to her seat. She had a rope by her back door that led out to the mailbox where she could get a hold of the rope and go to the mailbox and back. What's it like to be blind? Bartimaeus was born that way as far as I know, every day filled with no hope, no sense of direction, a feeling of loneliness, Does anybody care? He wanted to be delivered from this bondage. Rightfully so, probably anybody would. I know that some of you heard me tell this story about Robbie. Lynn works at the Ark there in Seneca where these kind of people come. And on this particular day, they wanted those of us in the area who had motorcycles to bring them up and to take these people to ride if they wanted to. Robbie was the only one that was blind in the crowd. And he wanted to ride. All he knew was motorcycle. You know, what's a motorcycle? And I want, you to, I want to tell you something. It, it, it really touched me. He, he walked over to the motorcycle and somebody put his hands. Said, now Robbie, this is the front fender. 
And this covers up the tire. He put his hands on the tire. He put his hands on the headlights, the windshield, the gas tank, the seat, the back part, the rear tire. And then he says, I want to ride. Well, I got a trike. Old man can't hold one up no more, so I got a trike. And, I, and so I helped him on the trike. And I rode him around the parking lot. And he come back and got off. He said, if I could see, I'd have me one of these. I can't imagine what it's like to be blind. Secondly, this may have been Bartimaeus' last chance. Could have been. Now, I know there were some people who led him there uh, at the entrance of Jericho because Jesus said he asked them to lead him over there too. So I know there was somebody in the, in the audience there that led Bartimaeus, that carried him to this gate uh, entrance to the city of Jericho probably every day for him to, to hold his little cup or his bucket out for somebody to put some money in it because he had no way of earning a living. And I'm sure you know people today who are blind. And so as he placed him there, he began to ask questions. What's going on? He could hear the crowd as they got closer to What's happening? And they simply said, it's Jesus and he's going to pass by. And so, hey, without thinking, he cried. Notice the sincerity of his plea in verse 38. It says, and he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't say a thing about his sight. He just simply asked for mercy. Have mercy on me, he says. Now this should, um, you know, this should be our plea today. Lord, have mercy on me. You know, there's not a person in here that's not a sinner this morning. We're all sinners. Some are saved sinners. Some are lost sinners. But we're, we're all sinners. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior forever and forever. Have mercy on me, he says. You know, we need, to, we need to beg God to have mercy on our president, have mercy on our nation, have mercy on our neighbors, our family members, and those of our acquaintances that are lost. We need to beg God to have mercy on them. It's going to be a horrible day for the lost when Jesus comes back and takes the church out. Jesus said in verse 41, the very first part, he says, What wilt thou have that I shall do unto thee? That was Jesus' question. Bartimaeus says in verse 41b, and he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. You see, he was blind, never had been able to see before. That I might receive my sight. You know, I can't imagine, there may be somebody in here that's colorblind, but I can't imagine that. You know, hey, I look at you instantly, immediately. I see colors, immediately. Bartimaeus, he just simply asked that I might receive my sight. The third thing I want to make mention of, I just simply says, and then it happened. 
when Jesus passed by in verse 40, 42, and Jesus saith unto him, <clears throat> very simple, receive thy sight. Receive it. You see, Jesus has everything that you and I need today. Everything. There isn't a thing that we need that he does not have. Everything. He's got it. He wants to give it. But he wants to make sure, or we should be making sure, that we are sincere when we ask him for something. And then it happened. Very simple, that I might receive my sight. And, he, and Jesus said, it's because of your faith. Bartimaeus had faith. In verse 43, it says, and immediately he received his sight and followed him. And as he followed Jesus, he was glorifying God all the way. I can't imagine. Can you imagine looking down at the ground, looking at the rocks, looking at people, looking at the trees, looking at the sky, looking at the sunshine, and being able to see Jesus? You know, one day we're going to see him. The uh, Bible says face to face. Bible says for us as Christians, we are going to be just like him. We're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Eyesight is precious. I didn't probably give it a whole lot of thought until one eye got a hole in it. And you begin to think, hey, you know, what's, what's it like to be blind? What is it like? Let me ask you a question. As I ask myself, what is it like to be spiritually blind? A lost person is spiritually blind, okay? I want you to stay with me now. A, a lost person is spiritually blind. They're in the dark about God. And most of them, a lot of them adult-wise will say, I don't need him. Hey, man, I got a good job. I got a good place to live. I got good transportation. I'm healthy. What do I need with God? They are spiritually blind. And the devil has got them that way. Spiritually blind. They cannot see what God wants them to see. And when I think about that, uh, they, they, you know, they have no sense of direction for their lives. They're trying to make a difference, but the source is not there. A feeling of loneliness, some of them feel lonely, some of them feel hopeless. And I've heard them say, hey, I got plenty of friends. In fact, I got friends I can count on. You got people in that church you can't count on. You see, they're always reflecting back on the church. Let me tell you something. If you're one of those people who say, well, it's the church done this and the church done that. Listen, Jesus died for the church. My goodness, how can anybody run down such a thing? In fact, Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Spiritually blind people see no need for the church. Until something happens. And then they expect the church to come running to the beat of it by their side. To bring food. To help them through this crisis. And we should. We are not a motel. We are a hospital. You got me? We are we're in the serving business. 
If you're not serving somebody, you need to ask God, God, give me somebody that I can serve. I want to be a servant, Lord. And the lost, they need to call on Jesus to save them. Save them. This is a miracle also. Jesus is the light of the world, and he said that we are that light, and we are to let that light shine. The results was in verse 43, the last part, and all the people, when they saw it, that when they saw that Bartimaeus had received his sight, gave praise unto God, and rightfully so. Praise should have went nowhere else but to God. That was the results. There's a song that's entitled, Can You See the Cross from Where You Stand? In your Christian life, can you see the cross from where you stand? All right, I want you to listen to me carefully because I've been there, all right? Hello? I have been there. As a saved person that's not living for Jesus, I'm going to tell you what's going on. I've been there, I know. The devil is slowly planting cataracts on your eyes. And some of you know what cataracts are. Some of you are dealing with that right now. Some of you know what cataracts are and you know what it is to have them removed. How your eyesight is just so much better. Living proof is sitting right back there in Brother Darrell Bibb. I've never known him not to wear glasses. I had to get used to looking at him. Through surgery, he can see to drive and to go about his life without glasses. Cataracts. Where do they come from? I'll tell you where they come from. Again, I've been there. I know where cataracts come from in the Christian's life. They come because of some nut, some wart, some jack leg, some jerk hurting your feelings. Hello? And a cataract forms. And you lose a little bit of the sight of God. You say, hey, if that's what a Christian life is all about, I don't believe I want to continue to follow this. And so, another cataract appears when you stop reading God's word. I don't need the word. I've read it enough. I know what it says. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not ready to do it. And another cataract forms in the, in the form of no prayer to God. Why I want to pray? I can't even see him. What I want to pray to him for? And slowly cataracts come, hurt feelings. Somebody getting your job. I can tell you about this job right here. It can be had. Hello? It can be had. It can be taken. And that's all right. I'm not jealous of this spot, okay? I'm thankful God called me to preach. I'm thank- First of all, I'm thankful he saved me, but I'm thankful he called me to preach. And I'm thirdly, I'm glad he gave me a place to serve. But the cataracts still want to creep in. When you get notes through care cards, I don't like this and I don't like that. Listen, I done made up my mind. I'm not going to let one person dictate what I see spiritually. Hello? I mean, you could take one person. I tell you what that one person is like. How many of you have ever had 
a rotten tater in your house. Hey, and you go to rooting and digging through the bag, and sure enough, there it is, boy. Oh, get rid of that tater. Because it will infect the rest of the taters if you don't get it out of there. People are like taters. I planted taters two days ago, little sprouts on them. I carefully cut them things and carefully turned the sprouts up so they'd have a head start. You know what we do sometimes? We cut on them and turn them upside down and hope they die. That cataract continues to grow. And first thing you know, that person, I'm talking about a Christian here, is so backslid so far, cataracts is completely covered up their spiritual vision and they no longer care about God, the church, and nobody else. And you know what? The devil sits back and says, I, I got one on my side. They don't mean you're lost. I believe this way. I believe in once saved, always saved, if you ever were saved. This week, I went in my mind back to those little set of country steps at Mount Pisgah Baptist Church on Highway 88. The little side door there where some vacation Bible school teacher told me what I needed to do as a lost person. We went last week to a funeral back there. And I walked in front of the building where my mom and daddy took me as a little toddler. That old building still standing there. I'm 71 years old. That building was old when I was in it. I remember the pot-bellied stove with chicken wire fence around it to keep us from getting burned. I'm thankful for my heritage, but I want to tell you, no matter what kind of heritage I have, no matter how strong of a Christian I might claim to be, you mark it down, the devil has cataracts out there ready to implant them in your and my eye so we will no longer want to follow Jesus. Now this might sound harsh to you, but I'd rather be lost than to be backslidden on God. The Bible says for him that knows to do right and not to do it to God, it is a sin. And you know how to spell sin, our little children at the Good News Club, S-I-N, they will shout it. I'll say, what's in the middle? They'll say, I, it's I, it's I. I can't blame a soul. Oh, I can take you back to hurt feelings, cussed out, literally chewed out, unsigned letters, but I thank God that he kept me going and I'm still at it. I don't know of a soul that I cannot face and tell them I love you. Not a soul. Even those way back there. One in particular I'm thinking of wrote a letter telling me what I ought to do and not do and didn't sign it. I found out who it was. And so now, occasionally, I will call her to tell her how pretty her roses are. I do. And the last time I saw her, listen to me, she hugged my neck. People don't forget. You hang in there. 
If the cataracts are affecting your eyesight spiritually, the day's the day to have that surgery and get rid of it. If you're lost, I invite you to Jesus today right here at this altar. Don't let the devil beat you out of that. If you, like I have been, backslid on God, bring it to the altar. Just ask God to forgive you. He stands ready to remove those cataracts that are affecting you from being what God wants you to be. I beg you, I challenge you. We have our hymn of invitation that you would come. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your holy word today. Lord, I thank you for Bartimaeus. I thank you that Jesus took time out of his route to the cross to give sight to the blind, to produce one more miracle that the people stood and praised you and God. Father, I pray for courage in this service today. I pray that you'd speak to hearts and ask your will to be done. And God, I love you and thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Mark.